Welcome to Hubbub, the people's podcast, where we engage our citizens and investors with the activities of the Planning and Code Administration and encourage everyone to contribute to Hagerstown's growth. Welcome to the November 2021 edition of the Hubbub podcast. Catch that? November 2021. Wow. We did it again. Another episode. 29? 29th episode. I mean, who's counting? Yeah, sounds like you are, but yeah, yeah, I can't believe it. Yeah, I'm always amazed that they let us do another one. You know, but here we yeah, are. We haven't been canceled yet, so no, we're not prime time, but at the same time, right? I mean, our our, our listenership is growing, and we appreciate everybody who does uh, stop by and listen. So yeah, I have no idea what the ratings are. No, let's just say they're good. Okay, well, a topic this month I, I think is kind of a interesting, unusual, sensitive to some. It's a lot of things today, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, definitely. And something that a lot of people, I've, as I've uh, learned in this job, a lot of people just don't know about. You know, um, What are we going to be talking about today? I think we're going to be talking about agricultural animals. Mm, okay. You know, pets, animals, you know, that that's a pretty broad topic. Right. When you're thinking about an urban environment, such as the city we live in, Hagerstown, that can mean a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, things evolve over time. And I know, again, this is kind of a, can be a sensitive topic for some because you have people that have certain types of animals that are just kind of, uh, you know, you, they're just expected, our dogs and our cats. But then sometimes that extends even further out where people will now want, they want um, exotic animals, maybe even animals normally, normally associated with agricultural and so that brings a whole different scenario. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, an interesting topic today. Um, not that uh, we endorse one way or another, but we're just going to talk about, you know, kind of where things have come from, from years ago when it comes to animals and regulations. Talk about here the city of Hagerstown, what's required. And then, you know, it's also helpful to talk about what other jurisdictions are doing. So people kind of have a rounded view. Hey, it's not just Hagerstown. Right but it's something that's pretty typical with a lot of localities. So uh, when we think about animal regulations, historically, just to, it helps to understand again where, where we've come from you know, with agricultural animals, because we can go all the way back to the 18th century, and that's where we saw animal regulations being put in place for animal agricultural, not just in urban environment, but just in general, because as time went on and, you know, Technology expanded, agricultural animals were becoming used more widely. So it, it became something that people just had to deal with. And so early Americans, uh, they relied on this animal agricultural uh, for waste management, transportation, and even food supply. So you had this circle that kind of slowly evolved as agricultural animals were introduced in, into society. When we think about waste management, what are we talking about? Well, for example, you have all types of agricultural animals and a byproduct of what they eat is animal waste. So hogs, they would clean up household slop that the people put out of their households. Um, The chickens would, you know, eat up what was left behind by the hogs. And so you had this cycle of um, food and, and waste. So that had to be something that had to be dealt with. That had to be regulated. Of course, you know, back then, horses were the fastest means for transportation. So there were byproducts of that. And then, you know, sheep and goats, as we've talked about in past podcasts, 
people would keep those not just for agricultural use, but it would help keep the grasses short for a number of reasons, as we talked about. So, you know, we've seen this thing evolve over time. And so all of these animals, even dairy cows, they supplied uh, food products as well, such as milk. So the point is, as we mentioned this, is because as these agricultural animals were introduced into society, they provided a lot of benefits, but then there were also challenges and problems that had to be dealt with to, as, as well. And uh, so they had to be regulated. So that brings us to you know, where we are today, why we have certain types of animal regulations. Right, yeah, as you said, you know, it, they were there for a reason at the time and there were great reasonings, but then as you mentioned also, the technology has changed to where we may not need those types of animals in those certain situations. So moving on to the 19th century, um, local ordinances were enacted to remove animals from the cities to align with the field of public health uh, for hygienic cities. Um, surprisingly, we found the first law passed in 1705, and that was in Philadelphia. Uh, this was a law preventing cattle and swine from running at large through the streets. I mean, could you see that happening now? You know, see cows and you know, pigs run through the streets? You know, that, that happens. I have chickens running at large where I live right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just blows my mind that that was a thing. But it makes sense why, uh, why that has been changed. Um, another early law that was passed was for Central Park's Sheep Meadow. Um, it no longer existed after 1934 um, when Robert Moses moved his sheep from Prospect Park. And, you know, this was only in 1934 that this has changed. So, a relatively uh, somewhat newer laws. Um, and with cities growing rapidly in the 19th century, residents complained about the safety and disease risk posed by these animals, especially the hogs. Um, so local municipalities, uh, they passed laws to govern um, animals in their cities. Unfortunately, laws were not passed in tandem with household waste disposal. Um, so without formal city uh, sanitation departments or public work departments to clean the street, the laws banned the animals from eating the waste, and this resulted in a lot of slops just decomposing in residential areas, which was no good. Um, and we'll discuss um, the trash solutions in a future podcast but you know, these laws did lack some forethought uh, back then. Yeah, and that's good information. And, and what you just mentioned helps us to see what we've also discussed in a previous podcast when it comes to how land is used. Because you know, as time went on, where you once had just agricultural areas, not so much of an issue, now you have this urban growth. Right. And you have this clash. Mm -hmm. So again, kind of where I live, you know, um, you know, I'm not faulting the people around me. I live in a little bit of a, a rural area, but you know, um, there are the challenges with it around it. So anyway, yeah. So that's why as times, you know, sometimes laws catch up, like you mentioned, you know, everything wasn't going at the same pace. So they've got these issues. Now that have got to catch up with laws and that included again, zoning and land use. And so we're looking at like by the 1930s, and then even by the 1950s, even land use or zoning laws were put into place, and in many cases pro prohibiting these types of auxiliary animals, uh, as they called them in the city of Boston. You have the city of Philadelphia. They didn't permit the keeping of farm animals in residential zones, except for one. And then by the mid 20th century, animal agriculture was simply absent from zoning codes in the great majority of America's biggest cities. So. You see this evolvement uh, in 
zoning law. Poultry farm animals were the last type of animal banned in the earliest 20th century, and they have often even been first reintroduced to areas. So you had this, hey, none, we're not going to have any in many jurisdiction, but now as we've seen over the last few decades, we've seen, okay, let's, let's kind of reintroduce this, but let's keep it controlled. Mm. Good stuff right there. Yeah. And then we have urban agricultural. Uh, that's a common term even used in the 21st century uh, areas. And some cities have permitted even things like beekeeping in hens throughout the, lang- uh, throughout the uh, areas using language such as uh, honey and eggs ordinances. So again, it goes to that, how try to control this. And what that's resulted in is other areas of expansion in urban areas. And that means things like cultivating, processing, uh, distributing agricultural products in urban and suburban settings. And that could even include warehouse farms, community gardens, rooftop farms, hydroponic facilities, and other arrangements. So yeah, you see that. And sometimes we see pictures in, in media, especially in urban areas, really tight, tight to urban cities like New York and other areas. They allow these rooftop gardens and things. So it helps people. It's kind of a morale thing. It really helps people to kind of deal with that. And the city of Hagerstown has something similar to this when it comes to these urban gardens. Um, on South Potomac Street, across from Bester Elementary School, there's a community garden. There's about 26 garden plots, and they can even be rented on an annual basis. And so they vary in size uh, that you can rent them. Very nominal cost of like $20 and $30 a year. There's even water available at the site. And so what the expectation with this garden that's really specific to Hagerstown is that it allows one to participate in community work uh, during certain days, maintaining that garden. So if you're interested in perhaps looking into one of these community gardens, certainly reach out to uh, the engineering department and they have applications. Um, They'll review them in January and February. So right now is a good time to put in that application and see what it's all about and see if you'd like to support that. So a nice thing. I've, I've driven by there a few times. And Me too. It's, it's a very nice area. Um, I didn't know much about that, but it's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah. You know, and uh, as we mentioned, you know, areas are just starting to uh, permit certain agricultural uses in urban settings, uh, depending on the community that you live in. Um, make sure you check with your local jurisdiction um, on what can be permitted in your local community. Uh, chickens are the most common type of agricultural use uh, being reintroduced into areas. These ordinances are either being recently adopted or introduced to permit the keeping of chickens on properties. Um, as Sean mentioned earlier in the podcast, you know, people like to keep different things as pets, not necessarily uh, you know, for their utilitarian use. So it is cool seeing uh, some of these uh, types of animals being reintroduced into the communities. And here are some um, other items that are permitted in our area. Uh, We're gonna focus on our local area since each location can vary depending on local community needs and wants. Um, In Maryland, if you keep or care for chickens, they must be registered with the Maryland Department of Agriculture. And uh, this is a free registration. Uh, The program helps protect domestic poultry industries from the spread of disease. In Maryland, uh, counties and cities can regulate chickens on how they see fit for their community. Uh, For example, here in Washington County, there is no distinction between animals. So um, really, in the eyes of uh, 
here in Washington County, a chicken is the same as a horse. I know that sounds silly, but there is no distinction uh, between animals. Um, but there are setback requirements for animal structures. So generally speaking, the structure, structure is to be 100 feet from the property line. A property owner can apply for a variance to be closer to a line. And then it's up to the local board of zoning appeals to determine if a variance is allowed at that particular location. Um, Smithsburg is a local jurisdiction here in Washington County, and they permit up to five hens per lot. Um, this jurisdiction has requirements for the size of the hen house and setback requirements. So that's a little bit of uh, local information on what happens here in Washington County. Yeah, it's good you mentioned that about chickens because that is one of the most popular, I would say, types of agriculture animal that we're exposed to in Hagerstown. Um, uh, in the recent past, I've run across a couple situations and where uh, what happened was is they had small children. The parents wanted chickens just to help with education and giving their children the experience, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we can, we can understand that. But again, there are regulations there for a purpose. And um, I remember one story down in Virginia when I worked in that locality that that was what happened. And the lady bought the chickens. She, and this was a nice subdivision. And she bought them, fenced in backyard, thought she was safe, thought she had bought all hens. Till one of them got big enough to cock-a-doodle-doo. Oh, my. And so that's what brought me to the house is mm. the neighbors about the rooster. Yeah. So, yeah. The noise is usually what does it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it's good to know those things. And, you know, that's, you know, Washington County is right in line uh, with, you know, what much of the state of Maryland uh, does. And. We're going to talk about some other areas in the city, uh, state of Maryland. Uh, we're going to talk about four counties and then also uh, the city of Baltimore, what their regulations are when it comes to chickens, just for comparison purposes. So, for example, Howard County permits chickens, but the lot must be at least 10,000 square feet and only have a single-family home on the lot. Um, if you meet this criteria, you could have up to eight hens. And there are some other requirements in addition to the size of the lot. Uh, Anne Arundel County, they permit domestic fowl, which includes chickens and ducks. But another regulation is that the lot must be a certain size, and there is a chart for determining the number of animals permitted. Uh, we have Annapolis in Anne Arundel County, uh, which is our state capital, of course. It allows up to five chickens on a property, but only if the abutting property owners agree to you owning the chickens. So that's interesting. Um, yeah, you know, uh, the fact is, is that surrounding properties are affected when you have chickens. Again, using my case, uh, the neighbors do have a chicken coop, but a lot of their chickens run loose. They bully my cat. He runs off, they eat all his food. You know, my wife's out there running chickens off, you know. Yeah, we're not gonna get video of that. But anyway, yeah. Then we think about uh, Baltimore County. They require an acre of land to have fowl and livestock with the exception of Asian potbelly pigs. And Baltimore City, they permit chickens, but no more than four chickens if your lot is less than 2,000 square feet. And in Baltimore City, you can have an additional chicken for each 1,000 square feet of land. You have over 4,000 square feet. So, yeah, when you think about 2,000 square feet of land, that's really, that's a big number per se, but it's not a lot of land. No, it's really not. Um, yeah, some good information on those surrounding areas um, that are close to here in Hagerstown. 
And speaking of Hagerstown, where we are currently at, uh, we do not permit chicken or fowl at all. Um, this has been in our code for some time. Uh, we recently spoke to our elected body back in May of this year uh, regarding the prohibition of fowl in Hagerstown. Um, this was kind of uh, my doing. Um, I had a uh, concerned neighbor that called in a concern about um, ducks in their neighbor's yard. Um, unfortunately, you cannot have ducks in your yard. And uh, it, they were there, they had a nice little setup there, but the code states that no fowl are allowed. Um, and during this uh, discussion uh, with our elected body, we discussed that our, um, our living quarters are close in Hagerstown and some areas are densely populated. Approximately 30% of Hagerstown's lots are less than 2,000 square feet. So going back to what Sean said, 2,000 square feet is not much um, when we're talking about land. Um, the local Humane Society spoke at this meeting, um, in addition to city staff, explaining that big box agricultural stores, um, you know, they sell the cute little chicks and ducklings in the springtime, but then they, they do eventually grow up into chickens and ducks. And uh, people are surrendering these animals to the Humane Society because they don't want them anymore. And the final uh, decision by our elected body this year was to keep the prohibition in place for fowl, livestock, and farm animals. So um, it, it is good to see, you know, people just question, you know, some of this stuff. And because you never know what will change in the future. Um, as we talk about different uh, jurisdictions are reintroducing certain types of animals. And, uh, you know, that's why uh, we're here. We're here working for um, the public, you know, mm -hmm. and the citizens. And it's good to have this discussion. But ultimately, um, the code has not changed uh, here in Hagerstown. So. Yeah. Yeah, and, and what this uh, really helps us to see um, is that with the experience, and you just mentioned people that have them and then they surrender and want to get rid of them. That's the end result that happens to us when we go out and, and look at a property because of ducks or chickens. Now they're at a loss of what to do with them. They don't know. Right. And so that creates a, a situation. And that goes to uh, an, the thing we mentioned earlier is that oftentimes when people think about getting these types of animals, uh, they are not able to think about what all the negatives, the cons are, and, and there are, are several. So we have to recognize that, and that's why these ordinances are in place. It's not to make it hard or keep people from enjoying the animals, but there are negatives that go along with it. So uh, that's our role as well, as well, not being for or against it, but educating people to understand you know, the pros and cons. Um, because the fact is, is that people will buy these, you know, they, they want the quality of the eggs, they want the animals, but what they don't recognize is that the costs that go along with it. Oftentimes, it costs more than what you're getting in free eggs with oh, the chicken. Yeah. When you're thinking about maintenance and, you know, the chickens get sick and you got to take care of them and you got to feed them, you know, that, that requires sure. a lot of money. So, you know, and then you got the waste that has to be cleaned up. Uh, runoff when people don't clean up. And so creates uh, sometimes environmental issues. And then uh, pros and cons with every animal um, we, we run across in our research is, you know, how, again, how it affects other neighbors. The odor, the lifespan of laying eggs, um, when the chicken dies, now you got to deal with that. So we've talked a fair amount about farm animals. We've talked about fowl. We've talked about livestock. Uh, but there's another area or breed of animals that we haven't talked about that we run across from time to time, and that's when it comes to exotic animals. Um, 
And that means, you know, just an animal that's kind of out of the ordinary. Maybe they're classified differently and maybe they're hard to classify. And that's, you know, in addition to the farm animals, the dogs and the cats that, you know, people typically keep. Yeah, in each state, you know, they do regulate exotic animals on different levels. Uh, here in Maryland, um, there are um, a lot of prohibitions on um, which animals are not allowed. Um, for example, you cannot have fox, skunks, raccoons, or bears. Um, you cannot have alligators or crocodiles. You can't have any member of the cat family other than a domestic cat. Um, a hybrid of a member of the cat family and a domestic cat if the hybrid weighs over 30 pounds. Uh, a member of the dog family other than a domestic dog. Um, a hybrid of a member of the dog family and a domestic dog. Non-human primates, including lemurs, monkeys, chimpanzees, um, orangutans, gorillas, um, a loris, or tamarlin. Not sure what that is, but you cannot have it. Um, <laughs> and also poisonous snakes in specific families. Um, and, you know, I can't imagine having a poisonous snake, wanting a poisonous snake, but I know there are a bunch of people out there that um, want these exotic animals, so... Yeah, yeah, we do run across them from time to time. Um, where I live down in Virginia, and I ran across some people that hold hold monkeys. Yeah, that's wild. It, it looked like a little. Uh, I mean, they had the whole outdoor cage and everything, and mm. they had they had monkeys. Yeah, that's, crazy thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. So we're talking about the state of Maryland state law, and you know, state law trumps local law. So uh, we have to look at that. We have to um, expand on that as well. So. When we think about Maryland law, if you have one of these type of prohibited animals that Donnie just mentioned, um, even the fines, you know, it's important to recognize what the penalties, if we're, if you, if a person's holding on to these, they can be found guilty of a misdemeanor, subject to fines of up to $1,000, and the animals can even be seized. So, I mean, nobody wants to see that happen as well. But uh, when it comes to Maryland law, uh, this type of law, or this law has been in place since 2002. And if you are able to have them uh, or permitted to have them, such as zoos or circuses, there are certain types of licenses and requirements um, to have ownership of such animals. So it's good to check, uh, to do your due diligence, to check with local ordinances and jurisdictions. In our case, the city of Hagerstown or wherever you may live, it would also be due diligence to check your local state laws as well. Um, as much as local localities are in line with state laws, they're not always. Uh, it's not, you know, it doesn't matter the reason or why, but it's good to check with state law as well. Now, here in the city of Hagerstown, when it comes to exotic animals, our code is uh, silent in that respect. So we do look to state law that, to govern these types of animals, and we do not specify if the type of animal of ownership is prohibited. Uh, so we do run across these things, and sometimes we do have to look at state law, and we have to take that into consideration. And, uh, for example, in, in, in the past we had a situation where we, we had to deal with a house full of snakes. Um, worked with the Humane Society on making sure the snakes were well taken care of, but there was nothing in violation of local or state laws. Now, as you mentioned, there are certain types of poisonous snakes that are prohibited, but in this case, case these types of snakes were not prohibited, and so they were permitted to stay in the home. So again, 
it's again just good due diligence to see what the regulations are, uh, the types of animals, even the number, and checking with local jurisdictions. And as we've said a number of times in this episode, um, just check. Uh, oftentimes when we uh, talk to someone and they'll say, so-and-so told us it was okay. Well, that's not enough for us to go on. We can't say, okay, you can do this, you can have these animals or, or whatever based on somebody told you. Yes, you know, it's way too often. Yeah, yeah. Have something in writing, have a, an ordinance, a code section that helps you. So, you know, just a lot of good things. And if people do their due diligence, again, we can't emphasize that enough, um, it can save a lot of heartache. Yeah, yeah, we are more than open to questions anytime. And if you want to reach out to us and ask us some of these questions on what is uh, prohibited or allowed in um, here in Hagerstown, you can find us on uh, social media. You can search for PCAD City of Hagerstown on Facebook, um, Instagram. Uh, we're also on LinkedIn. Uh, you can also follow the Subbub podcast and listen back to our previous 28 episodes. Um, we're on YouTube. If you search for the Hubbub Podcast, we're also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, every major podcast platform out there. But uh, if you're on, if you're on uh, Apple Podcasts, make sure you give us a rating so people that you know are interested in this kind of stuff they'll be able to discover us a little bit easier. And if you're on YouTube, uh, make sure you uh, like the video, subscribe to the channel so you don't miss um, any future episodes. So moving on, we got the weird news story of the month. And this one's a good one. This is funny. So the title of this one is Family Realizes Pet Dog Might Be a Bear After the Animal Starts to Walk Around on Hind Legs. So, all right, listen to this. Uh, a family in China, uh, they bought what they thought was a uh, Tibetan Mastiff puppy. And it was a, they were amazed by the size that it grew. Um, you know, kept eating and eating, and after reaching 250 pounds and starting to walk on its hind legs, they uh, realized that their dog wasn't quite a dog <laughs> at all. Um, come to find out, it was, uh, it was a black bear. So this bear was uh, fortunately safely transported to the Yunnan Wildlife Rescue Center, and now it's, you know, being properly taken care of, but how wild is that? You know, you get a puppy, you think it's a regular dog, ends up being a black bear. Um, I'll, I'll post the link. We'll post the link in the um, description of the podcast. So you can read read it yourself and look at the pictures. But uh, I'm just saying there was a definitely a difference between the the dog and the bear. So yeah, I don't wow, <laughs> good stuff. Well, thanks for that story. Yes. Yeah. Well, our next episode uh, will be a timely one. I'll say that. Mm -hmm. Hopefully not, but nonetheless, uh, should it snow, we're going to be talking about snow shoveling. All right. Interesting topic. Favorite time of the year. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You know, so in the city of Hagerstown, there are regulations when it comes to shoveling snow. Sometimes people wonder why. Why do I have to shovel my sidewalk? Great question. We're going to talk about that, the ins and outs of that next, uh, next month. And, you know, should it snow between now and this time next month, it's just good to know that there are regulations. You need to shovel sidewalks keep everybody safe. So look into that. Again, just like we were talking about, due diligence. You can go to our website on the city of Hagerstown within our department. You can find out what those regulations are. But until next month, we'll look forward to talking about that. Yeah, a little education process there. So our musical guest to take out our podcast um, 
again, another fun band. They're a, kind of a cover band, really. That's what they are. Club Medics. Sounds like a play on words, but yeah. Club Medics, yeah. Uh, these guys have been playing for a while, four-member band. Uh, they, uh, what impressed me with listening to them is great instrumentals. They really work together, because uh, that's a challenge. That's an art in itself, but really, really great instrumentals. I like their tagline on their website, on their Facebook page, the musical cure for today's era of normal. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, real entertaining group. You really should check these guys out. So we're going to play a little bit of their music at the end of the podcast and uh, just understand they're a cover band so they don't any, own any of the rights to the music that we're featuring today. But uh, yeah, check them out on social media. You can find them on Facebook, uh, YouTube, and some of their music as well. Um, they have a couple of upcoming events. They're going to be playing at tra uh, Trackside Restaurant Saturday, November 20th. And they're also going to be playing at Benny's Pub Wednesday, November 24th. So check these guys out. They're Twitter, very, very entertaining. So uh, let's listen to the music of Club Maddox. Club Maddox. 